Now let's check in with the wife. It's time for the Pith of Pop, the podcast edition with my beautiful wife, Jen. Hey, thanks for joining us, Jen. Hi. And a happy anniversary to you. Thank you. <laughs> nine years you've put up with me. Actually, 12, but yeah. nine you've been legally required to put up with me. <laughs> what are we going to talk about this week? Movies, I guess. Okay, what have we got? X-Men 3, Flushed Away, and Stranger Than Fiction. We actually managed to see Flushed Away and Stranger Than Fiction in the theater. Yeah, well, Wonders Never Cease. I mean, a, a kid's movie, of course, we can see, but we actually got to see a grown-up movie as well. Yep. So what did you want to start with? X-Men 3. Okay, uh, our DVD rental from Netflix, and we actually, this was part of our attempt to watch all three. What did you think? I really liked this series. I have to say that I'm not typically into superhero films that much, but this trilogy and this one in particular really stood out um i've heard not so good things about brett ratner this film was you know the first two were directed by mark singer this one was directed by brett ratner and mm -hmm. he kind of has a bad reputation but honestly i really could not tell the difference between the first two and this one yeah, I mean, I think maybe if we understood the long history and, you know, legacy of the characters involved, the Marvel Universe, maybe little things would annoy us. I think uh, Rogue's decision in this film was a little uh, unexpected, for example. But for the most part, it, it really wasn't as uh, as bad as I, I was made to believe it would be. It seemed perfectly in line with the other two. And again, it was an enjoyable, bang-up, effects-laden action flick. Uh, tasted just as good with my popcorn as the rest. Uh, I liked it. The biggest difference for me uh, between this one and the first two was it seemed like this one had more of a political allegory in the storyline. The story revolves around a cure. A character develops a cure that would strip the mutants of their powers. Right, basically make them normal. Right, and I felt like that kind of mirrored the whole abortion debate. Really? Yeah. How so exactly? Well, because in certain scenes there were protesters and... Oh, that's right. You know, kind of lining up outside the clinic and being harassed. And right, all that. I, right. I could see that. That That's interesting. Actually, I think political allegory was a part of the other two films as well. I would say it was probably the most explicit and spelled out in this uh, yeah. in this movie. And, and maybe that's one of the criticisms against it. It's certainly not a subtle film by any stretch. No, of it's, it's not subtle. And there are parts of it that I really think they could have done without, like the whole Golden Gate Bridge sequence. Right. Uh, why would he choose that instead of something else to transport himself to Alcatraz? And, you know, again, uh, the the witty one-liners that uh, basically felt like lead bricks. Yeah, the whole, I, this is why you let the pawns go first line. <laughs> I was thinking, what are they trying to achieve with that line? Because I just scratched my head and wondered why it was uttered at all. It seemed to make no sense in the context of things. Now, in an action film, people don't really talk about acting, but uh, were there any performances or characters that uh, stood out for you? I really felt like Holly Berry was phoning it in. I felt like mm. she was bored through most of the film. I don't know, though. I mean, Halle Berry is phoning it in almost all the time, in my opinion. You think so? Yeah. I mean, I don't think she was ever a strong character in the series. I felt like maybe in the first two, she tried a little bit harder, but in this one, it really kind of falls flat for me. And mm. There are about a dozen other actresses I think would have made a better storm. Mm. And I don't have a problem with Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer <laughs> plays a hero. Right. And 
I don't know. I can't see him in anything without thinking of Sideshow Bob. Exactly, exactly. Or, of course, the, the Cheers character as right. well. Um, uh, what did you think about Ian McKellen? He seems to bring uh, his own st- something to every movie he's in. He's hilarious. He knows how to play a villain. He can just camp it out to the highest degree, and he's fun to watch. Right, he, just, he doesn't take it seriously at all, no. but he, but he's having a blast. Yeah, I mean, he's not a parody of himself like some other people might be. He reminds me that what he does for this movie, and I think a lot of other movies, is kind of what uh, Sean Connery has been doing lately. Yeah, he's not afraid to just camp it up and, and, and make it a joke almost, but I, I really felt like... His character was really effective. And certainly probably a reason to go see the film, if not for the special effects. Yeah, but I really liked this series, and I felt like this movie was really worth the time. I I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, if they, they say it's the last stand, but I'm sure this made a billion bucks. And if there's another chapter, we'd probably check that out as well. Yeah. All right, uh, what's the second film? Flushed Away. Okay, this is the movie we got to see in the theaters because it's a kid's movie. We got to bring the family. And we also got to bring along a couple of our neighbor's kids. Oh, that's right. It was, in fact, an especially large zoo to manage, but I think testament to the film. Uh, They actually sat still through most of it. What did you think about it? It didn't actually do a whole lot for me. I felt like I'd seen a lot of this before. Mm -hmm. It's by the same guys who did Chicken Run and um, Wallace and Gromit. That same company? Yeah, the Aardman uh, Aardman Company. Right. And they're known for claymation, and that's the specific look that they bring to films. And I thought it was interesting that they kind of use that aesthetic, but this was all done with computer graphics. It was a CG claymation film. And I couldn't tell the difference. Yeah, which I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it was certainly interesting. It was. It was very interesting. It was set in... um the sewers of London, mm-hmm. actually, it revolves around a bunch of mice, and it's set in... Well, the, rats, in, specifically. Yeah, rats. And it's set um, during the championships of the World Cup in, mm-hmm. in London. Yeah, I mean, well, basically, you have the uh, upper-class rat who gets flushed down the toilet and ends up with in, in a little miniature London, under London, uh-huh. and uh, basically, he's trying to get home, but gets sucked into a larger conspiracy by an evil toad who wants to get rid of all the rats. And, Played uh, by Ian McKellen. Oh, my God, that's right. Uh, <laughs> And and he's the villain in this movie, and a very good one, I thought. Actually, uh, I should mention that Hugh Jackman is also the hero. That's so right. So there's two people from the X-Men franchise in oh this my, film. Well, there you go. So maybe these films go together better than we thought. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, so Hugh Jackman's rat um, was an upper-class rat. He gets flushed down, and um, he ends up uh, part of this toad campaign to destroy all the rats because everyone flushes their toilet at the same time in London when the mm-hmm. World Cup is over. So anyway, that's the basic premise. And uh, it's a kid's movie, so you can't really pick apart the plot altogether that much. Uh, it is an animated feature. How'd you like the voices in the film? Hugh was great. He, I thought he did really well, although I kept thinking for some reason that it was Hugh Grant I was hearing <laughs> and not Hugh Jackman. Kate Winslet is in it, and I love Kate Winslet in pretty much everything she does, and this was no exception. Yeah, I think she was. I think she, her voice really came through. The animators captured her spirit, and uh, they gave her a kind of depth. You know, she wasn't a stereotype or a flat female character. No, she's not a princess. She's not a Barbie doll. She's just a girl. Yeah, I mean, in most of these animated films, there's usually only one female character, so that's continued here. But I liked her, and she carried that. Uh, she carried what she had to pretty good. Jean Reno is also in this movie. He's um. He was in The Professional, among other mm. things, and he plays Le Frog. Oh, yes, the uh, French cousin of uh, of the bad frog, the head frog. We. Oui. 
Okay, and uh, who was the other fellow that you you noticed the voice? Oh, through? Andy Circus. Andy Circus has had a really great career. He was Gollum. Hmm. Um, they mimicked his movements and, and they used his voice as Gollum in the Lord of the Rings films. And he also wore the ape suit for part of the film in um, King Kong, the remake. Hmm. And he was in Thirteen Going on Thirty, also. So, what character was he the voice for here? Spike, the the rat that throws uh, Roddy down the toilet. Right, Roddy would be the upper class rat but right. we're not we're not introducing the characters well but again it's a kids movie so there's not much depth to it so but but you it wasn't really a strong film for you there are so many kids films that are, are similar these days that mm-hmm. they all kind of blend together because inevitably we end up taking the kids um this was one of the better ones this year mm-hmm. but if you're gonna see an ardman film you know go do chicken run or something right else. the real claymation films. yeah Okay, and uh, finally, our last movie. Stranger Than Fiction. Stranger Than Fiction, saving the best for last. Uh, well, how did you like it? I loved it. I loved it, too. Uh, this is a great film. You know, it, it's got a gimmick, a catch to it. It's a story about an IRS agent played by Will Ferrell, who wakes up one morning to realize he has a, a narrator speaking in his head. Because he's part of a book being written by Emma Thompson's character, right. Karen Eiffel. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in and of itself already, it's clever, and you'd, you'd love to watch it just for that. Uh, there are quirky little graphic overlays that kind of reminded us of uh, Fight Club. Fight Club, that's right. Um, during the IKEA scene or the shopping scene. Oh yeah, scene. yeah. Um, but you know, it's really the performances that uh, that really do it, and uh, they were all great. I thought Will Ferrell was great. I know he was getting a lot of crit- criticism for this because it seemed like he was trying too hard to be serious mm-hmm. after having so much success. As a comedic actor. Right. You know, you had Anchorman and uh, Talladega Nights, which we talked about earlier. And right. this is definitely a different character for him. But it really works because the whole movie is about comedy and tragedy being two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, his, his character is actually funny, but just uh, not in that sort of overt sort of way. And uh, I think, you know, it was it's, it's written into the script that they kind of explore the differences and the similarities there. And uh, so he did, I think, really, really well. He played the straight man to a strange situation and, 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 and pulled it off. Emma Thompson is amazing, though. I really think she deserves an Oscar. Oh, she was incredible. I mean, she really played is a character that could be one-dimensional, the usual chain-smoking, uh, uh, writer's block-affected writer. But, uh, you know, in this case, she, she really got into the role. She seemed very believable. And, you know, Emma Thompson usually plays some very strong characters. And here we got to see her allowing herself to be kind of weak, kind of beaten down by the universe. Uh, she wasn't wearing makeup in the film, and she, she looked very real. And Dustin Hoffman is really amazing. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I personally haven't seen him in movies in a while. I think Meet the Fockers was the last major role he's been yeah. in, but he's actually again an, an awesome, incredible actor up in there, up there with Emma Thompson. And it was good to see him again. And yet he uh, he played it well. He didn't dominate the scenes he was. He was it was a great character. He plays a literature professor who is helping Harold Crick determine what kind of story he's stuck in, if it's a comedy or a tragedy. Yeah, in one scene he's got a sort of a checklist, and he goes through it like, uh, "Did you kill your mother? <laughs> Are you in love with your whatever?" And, and he goes, "Well, by going through this, we've eliminated." 
eliminated half of uh, European literature and a number of uh, ancient epics and stuff like that. So, um, you know, a, a good role. He uh, he's he's very subdued, but still, again, a, a strong character. And uh, finally, though, I mean, part of this film is a romantic comedy, so mm-hmm. there's a love interest in this film. Maggie Gyllenhaal, who I really didn't have much of an opinion of. I think I've seen her in maybe one or two things. Mm-hmm. But I liked her because her character was really... Um, Hollywood doesn't like tattooed, tough women. Usually they're kind of stereotyped. But I thought that they wrote this character... Um, very well, I thought, and I thought she did a good job. Yeah, I mean, I like, I mean, you know, she plays someone who's very adorable and cute, but very, very tough. And, you know, that's usually kind of hard to do. And uh, she pulls it off and the writers pull it off with her character. On one hand, you know, you're afraid of her. But on the other hand, you really think that uh, you really think that you'd probably fall in love with her as well. Yeah, Absolutely. Now, a big part of this film is uh, the end because it's about a story being told and a big deal in the story is how it ends. And without giving it away, and I'm not even sure if this is possible to do, but uh, how did you like the ending of Stranger Than Fiction? I felt like the ending kind of negated the purpose of the first hour and a half of the film a little bit. I mean, I kind of agree. I mean, it it definitely isn't the ending that I expected, even though it's the ending other people might expect. And I guess, I mean, I don't know how to talk around it, but uh, it was kind of weird. I've gotten into a good debate with a good friend of ours, um, Mitchell, Mitchell, and um, we kind of disagree as to what the ending does to the film. So I would say that in addition to strong performances and great characters and a clever concept, you should see this film to see if you can get into a fight about whether you like the ending. It makes you think. It's one of those things where you won't stop thinking about it for a while. And to me, that's always a mark of a good film Mm -hmm. that it keeps you thinking and it stays in your head after you've left. Also, at the same time, I wouldn't put it uh, up there with like adaptation or some other really dense, you know, complex or totally incomprehensible films. Um, On many, many levels, this film is just basically and simply enjoyable. So, you know, don't be intimidated. Go and have fun. But I think you're also going to enjoy kind of that exercise about what it all means. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, that's three films, one on DVD, two in theaters. Now let's go to Jen for her star ratings. Our first film was X-Men 3, The Last Stand. Four. Four stars, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess, I mean, that's surprising, but I did enjoy it. Definitely better than I expected. Uh, flushed Away, the CGI slash claymation rat movie. Well, if you're under 10, I would say four, <laughs> but if you're a grown-up, three. Three stars, and actually, that's better than I thought. And finally, our last movie, Stranger Than Fiction, with Will Ferrell, Emma Thompson, and Dustin Hoffman. Five Five stars. Absolutely, I agree. Probably one of the best films we've seen all year. Oh, easily, yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us, Jen. My pleasure.